the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would indeed speak through my vocal cords and think through my mind. I pray, Lord, none of me and all of you. I pray, Lord, for articulation of your heart this morning. Give us ears that we may hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us, a receptive heart on this morning. Lord, we thank you for everything that you'll do in the midst of this service. We thank you for what you'll do in the midst of even the recordings that will be accessed at later times. We thank you, Lord, that there is no space, time, or distance in the realm of the Spirit. So we give you praise for in advance that burdens will be removed, yokes will be destroyed by the power of your anointing. And so we give you thanks in advance for what you're doing and what you are going to do. And for all of it, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation on this morning. Everyone did say amen. amen. Let's make this confession of our faith. Say, Father, I've come to receive revelation, wisdom, and understanding from your holy word. And I fully expect the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit concerning revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on a daily basis. I am a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Amen, amen, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Um, I will say this and uh, as we begin, I was praying about what to minister and, and I'll be very honest with you, there were some things that I wanted to talk about and I kept getting this back in my spirit. And I was like, but I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> but the Spirit of God wanted us to deal with this in this month of October right now on this first Sunday of Clergy Appreciation Month. And I believe one of the reasons why he wants us to deal with this at the beginning is because, you know, we do have Clergy Appreciation Month and we do appreciate all the clergy and all those that are ministering around the world in the assignment that God has given them. But we cannot discount some of the issues that have taken place within the body of Christ in regards to clergy and church leadership. Some of the things that are taking place that we see, we bless God, they just had a movie that came out that chronicled essentially by satire one of the misguided or misdirections of a church out of Atlanta. There's been uh, all kind of things that have taken place in regards to documentaries about church failures and issues and things that have taken place throughout our world. Because one of the things we do understand is that the devil loves to highlight the failures of the church. And so I believe that this assignment this morning is to kind of button up some of these areas and to kind of get our people in a position where we recognize when there is this area of what we can define holistically as spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse. Now, to say spiritual abuse is to some degree a misnomer because God doesn't abuse his people. But when we use the term spiritual abuse, we are talking in terms of those that are used their authority and their position to do things that are abnormal to the way God has intended it to be. And we need to understand that God has put certain things in our lives as safeguards so that we would not become prey to spiritual abuse. And one of the areas and one of the ways he does so is by us maturing spiritually. More word, more maturity. More maturity, more you begin to recognize where, no, this ain't right. That ain't God. Let me back away from this. Let me get away from that. And that's one of the things that we've been talking about, particularly in this area of spiritual understanding or knowing. Developing yourself spiritually so that you can be prepared against the issues that the devil wants to bring. And sometimes that he wants to bring even from folks that have a collar on or people that are teachers in the church, or people that are administrators in the church. And so we need to recognize these different areas within the body of Christ. And my assignment this morning is to give you some tools in regards to this level of recognition. So, having said that, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. 
out of the New King James Version of the Bible. I want to thank God for my, 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 my dear sister in the back working because I know there are going to be a number of slides because I'm going to have to move pretty quickly to be able to fit most of this in. So if you would give your attention to the board at various times when you cannot find or locate that particular passage of scripture. Amen. First Corinthians chapter number two, verse number 12 says, now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God, that we might know. Now notice he says that we've not received the world's spirit, but we've received the spirit from God, which is the Holy Spirit. We have received a recreated human spirit. Why? That we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. To know means to be aware, it means to behold, it means to perceive, it means to understand. So God has given us his spirit so that we can become aware to perceive and to understand the things that he's freely given us. Verse 13, now notice this, he says, these things that, he says, these things we also speak not in words which men's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing, notice he says out of the New King James, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to compare spiritual things with spiritual. The Amplified literally says that latter part of this way, combining and interpret, uh, interpreting uh, spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. For those being uh, guided by the Holy Spirit. Comparing. Comparing and contrasting. When you got born again, the Holy Spirit now, he takes up residence in your heart. And now you have a capacity that you did not have previously, which is the ability to compare this against that. And it's not a spirit that the world has, in fact. The expanded version of the Bible says... The latter part, so and so we explain spiritual truth to spiritual people or to those who have the spirit or with the spirit's word. So the Holy Spirit gives us the capacity to compare spiritual things with spiritual, to combine, to interpret spiritual works, to explain spiritual truth to spiritual people. Do we understand that? Verse number 14. New King James Version says, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are, notice the term, spiritually discerned. Well, the day you get born again, if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin speaking in another language that the Holy Spirit gives. Your natural man says, this is foolishness. But your spirit says, no, these are words that the Holy Spirit is given unto me to speak and have communion directly with my heavenly father. He says the natural man does not receive the things of the spiritual, uh, the spirit of God because they're foolishness. What do you mean going to church all that much? That's stupid. I only get two days off. You want me to take one of them to go to church? But he says, watch this. He says they are spiritually, they are spiritually discerned because they're spiritually discerned. The expanded version of the Bible says a person who does not have the spirit or the natural person does not accept the true things or true things that come from the spirit of God. That person thinks they are foolishness and cannot understand them because they can only be judged. I love how this translation says this judged by or be judged to be true or discerned or assessed by the spirit those spiritual or those being guided by the holy spirit have the capacity to compare and to contrast now and he says the more that there i can just extrapolate this to some degree the more we grow with our relationship with god the more that we're able to discern the difference between that's god and that ain't the more we're able to discern different things that the Spirit of God will tell you even though it does not compute with your head. There are four areas that we really need to have in these last days as an area of discernment. Now, I say it this way on purpose because the Bible refers to one of the gifts of the Spirit as being able to see into the realm of the Spirit. 
And we'll talk about the gifts of the Spirit at another time. But this area of discernment that we're talking about really comes about as a regards or as a result of being developed spiritually or spiritual maturity or training in the Word of God. And there are four distinct areas that we as believers in these last days need to make sure that we are developing so that we have the proper discernment of these areas. The first area is we need to have discernment of our times. You remember the scripture says live circumspectly for the days are evil. So we need to have discernment about the times and the seasons that we live in. What's going on in our nation, what's going on in our community and dear, yes, dear God, what's going on in your house. What time is it in your house? What time is it in your family? You should know this because you've been communing with God so that you have the capacity to discern what the season that you're in is taking place in your house. Another area of discernment that we need to have based on spiritual maturity is a discernment of spirits. Discernment of spirits. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 2 through 3 says out of the New International Version, it says, this is how we recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that, acknowledge, that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, has come in the flesh is of God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus, uh, that does not acknowledge Jesus is not of God. This discerning of spirits is, dare I say, the discerning of this, what we define as this antichrist spirit. The antichrist spirit is a spirit that negates or it neglects or it does not understand that Jesus came, died on the cross for your sins and that Jesus is fully God. There's a lot of heresies that is loose today that a lot of folks in the body of Christ are falling prey to just because they don't know what the Bible actually says. We can mitigate any number of heresies by just reading what he said about himself. You can't say that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and, and actually mentally accept that there are different paths and different ways to God. When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So I can't have a pluralistic attitude in regards to other religions and believe who Jesus is and what he says about himself. So we need to have a discernment of spirits. Number three, we need to have a discernment of prophecies. Discernment of prophecies. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse 20 says, despise not prophecy. In other words, he says, don't look down. Don't think it's beneath you when there is prophecy taking place. But he does put a caveat. Verse number 21 says, prove all things. Prove all things. We should look at prophecies and test them out. Look at them in light of the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 21 through 22, talks about, uh, let me look at that really quick for the sake of time. He says, you may say to yourself, how can we know that a message has not been spoken by the Lord? Verse 22 says, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not come, does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. So do not be alarmed. Now that's in your Bible. Okay, a couple years ago, there was a lot of prophets on TV shaking and trembling and saying that Trump was going to win. Well, we've had a couple years now of Biden, so obviously that prophet wasn't right. There's some folks that, you know, once again, if it doesn't bear witness with your spirit, you should, you should prove all things. You should look at this and say, well, now they said they shook. And they had the, the, the prayer shawl on. They said all these kind of things over my life, but they didn't agree with nothing that God had been speaking to me. Then that's where we are proving all things hold to that, which is good. Okay. The fourth area, which is where we're going to hang our hats this morning. That's the reason why I'm rushing is a discernment of people. A discernment of people. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 says, no wonder, and no wonder out of the uh, new, Internet, new King James Version, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Verse 15 says, therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, who in whose end will be according to their works. 
The Amplified Version of the Bible says it like this. And no wonder since Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light, so it is no great surprise if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Servants of righteousness. As I said before, my task this morning is to minister on how to recognize when spiritual abuse is taking place. Spiritual abuse, recognizing spiritual abuse. There's a lot of abuse that's taking place in the body of Christ. And it's because we have a lot of ministry gifts that are masquerading as workers of the enemy. Now, I'm not saying that every minister that gets into an issue is of the devil per se. What I am saying is there are key things that we need to look for to determine as to whether or not they're getting off. Whether or not they're slipping into an area that they are allowing themselves, dare I say, to be used of the devil. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Look at this out of the voice translation. It says, because the time will come when some will no longer tolerate, notice the term, sound teaching. There's a time coming. I believe we're in that time. When people won't notice the word, I love how the voice says it. They won't tolerate sound teaching. We won't hear that. That's old fashioned. He says, instead, they will live by their own desires. They'll stretch or stretch their teach their itching ears by surrounding themselves with teachers who approve, notice this, of their lifestyle and tell them what they want to hear. There is a lot of that today that you say, well, now I don't want to hear that one no more because I can just go online and hear this one because they tell me what I want to hear. Verse 4 says, they will turn away from the real truth you have to offer because they prefer the sound, the sound, the sound of fables and myths. Now this is a pet peeve of mine. Because sometimes I look back at the former generation I see some of the teachers that have already gone into glory. And I look at what we are tasked or what we have in our generation today. And there's a whole lot of coffee, co coffee corner preaching that they ain't reading no Bible. Folks show up at church and they don't need a Bible because they know they ain't really going to have a need for the Bible at the church. They're only telling you what you want to hear. Now... <clears throat> Now that we have that in this proper seat, let's look at this area of understanding spiritual abuse. 1 Samuel chapter number 2 and verse 12. 1 Samuel chapter number 2 and verse 12. Chronicles the story of Eli's two sons. Eli is the forerunner before Samuel becomes the prophet, the leader of Israel. This before Samuel wakes up and hears the Lord's call on his life. And 1 Samuel chapter number 2 chronicles Eli's two sons. Two sons in the ministry. That wasn't acting right. They didn't have the reverence for God that Eli had. And sometimes, you know, just because your daddy had a reverence in a prayer life and he was the pastor and the bishop doesn't mean it translates to the kids automatically. That, 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 don't, that don't happen. They got to have their own walk with God. And in this situation with Eli, his two sons didn't give a care about God. Let's look at what the scripture says because I don't have all time to, to go through all the details. It says verse number 12. Now the sons of Eli were, notice how the New Living Translation, it says scandal or scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord. They were scoundrels. They had no respect for the Lord, but yet they had position. Yet they had the authority to be a priest, but they did not give a care or have a reverence for God. The Bible later on tells us that Eli, because he didn't, didn't judge his sons, was judged with his sons. And there are a lot of ministry gifts that are going to be judged because they have not recognized those ministry gifts that are underneath their care. <laughs> Understanding spiritual abuse it says they were scoundrels and they had no respect for the Lord, yet they had the position. I submit to you that that can be the case even today, that they can have a collar on, they can have a position in the church and have no respect for God. Using the position only to take advantage of people. 
They used to say to, to the people that brought their sacrifices, they said, no, 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 I know the law says this, but we're going to take the best part here. We're going to do that. Because they didn't have a respect for God. Maybe there's a reason why there's some financial issues where it comes to church. Because when you lose the respect for God, you don't have a reverence for the seeds and the offerings that come in the house. You think that's only for personal profit. Understanding spiritual abuse, they had a misrepresent or they misrepresented scripture to the people. Now let's contrast the bad with the good. First Timothy chapter number three. I said, I say, I say, I say, I'm gonna be moving this morning for the sake of what we got to do. First Timothy chapter number three out of the New Living Translation. And watch this. We see an illustration in Eli's two sons of ones that are bad in ministry. They have no respect for God. Now, I can easily throw in another one, which is Aaron, who worked in ministry with Moses. He wasn't always bad. He wasn't always having issues. But he did fall off in his walk with God. And what happened at the end of his life is that God took him on the mountain and he stripped him of his robes and he died on the mountain. There are a lot of ministry gifts that are going to die in public because of the fact they have no respect for God or they gotten away from the first principles that got them in the position. First Timothy chapter number three. Let's look at the good minister. It says, this is a trustworthy saying. I'm reading again out of the New Living Translation. If anyone expires to be a church leader. One of the reasons why I chose this is because we're not just simply talking about clergy, but we are. The standard that we are talking about is the highest level, which is that of the clergy, but this, I love this translation, says church leadership. Anyone aspires to be in church leadership, he, and we can even say she desires an honorable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. I'm not going to deal with the gender specifics right now because that's another teaching for another time. But we'll just move on. <clears throat> he must be faithful to his wife or faithful eyes to his spouse. He must exercise self-control, live wisely and have a good reputation. It does matter if you hear about your pastor on the street down and they got issues and they, they don't have a good reputation. One translation says a good reputation in the house, but a good uh, reputation outside of the house. He must enjoy having guests in his home. Lord have mercy. And he must be able to teach. I love the fact that the Bible doesn't say he must be able to preach. Got a lot of good preachers. Can you teach? Teaching, teaching requires a little bit more out of you because you got to know something. To teach something, that means you have to have learned something. And to learn something, you can't just hoop it all the time. Requires the study. Exactly. Verse number three says, he must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. I listened to my mentor this past week. And he said, well, you know, if you're drinking more than what's at the communion, you're drinking too much. Just let that sit out there. Just we move on. He must not be a heavy drinker. And then he says, no, nah, must not be, must not be violent. He said he must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not, and not love money. He says he must be, he must manage his own house well and have children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, he can, how can he be, or how can he take care of God's church? He says, verse number six, a church leader, a church leader must not be a new believer. Let me say that. It must be that I have the capacity to preach, but I, I might not be the person that, that we won't put up front yet. The, the, the King James Version of the Bible says he must not be or she must not be a novice, somebody that's new to the faith. There's a lot of novice that are in the pulpit today. They, can, they got a gift, but they ain't grown up. They're not spiritually mature. He says because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. So he says he must not be a new convert, a new believer. Verse 7, also people outside of the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. Verse 8, 
In the same way. Now, why do I point this out? He says in the same way, deacons, deacons, deacons. So everything you just read about the pastor, the bishop, the preacher, he says in the same way. Meaning everything that also translates over to a deacon. That is somebody that is in spiritual authority within the church. He says in the same way, deacons must be, uh, must be well respected. They must not be heavy drinkers or be dishonest with money. So what does he say? That a good minister must be above reproof, good reputation, have self-control. They are not emotionally driven, not quarrelsome, which means they ain't always somebody that's ready to fight you. Not contentious. The word contentious means exhibiting an offer of perverse or weariness, tendency of quarrel or disputes. In other words, they're always ready to say, I can take this robe off and we can scrap. There's been one that's been online for the last couple of weeks. And I saw that and I said, he's a disqualified bishop because I keep saying that he's always ready to have a fight. Does not love money. If you're going to do this, you can't do it because of money. You got to do it because you love God and you love God's people. Ruled, not ruled by pride, but humility. All right, so we see the contrast between the good ministry and the bad ministry. So how do we begin to recognize areas of abuse? First place that we need to recognize is that spiritual abuse is always abusive. Spiritual abuse is always abusive. Abnormal use. It's always abusive. The word abuse literally means corrupt. Practice or custom. Improper or excess use of treatment. It means language that condemns or vilifies usually unjustly, angrily. The word abusive means uses harsh or insulting language characterized by wrong or improper use or actions. Should be something, something wrong when I have an abusive pastor, have an abusive leader. Well, you have somebody that's always putting you down, telling you what you ain't, telling them what you can't do. You're just a sinner. All these kind of abusive behaviors. Or use coarse jokes in other ways to, to kind of mask the fact that they're insulting the whole congregation. Demeaning, absolutely. We are seeing areas of abuse. How do we know this? Because Matthew 20 and verse 26 says, but among you, it will be different. Whosoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant. Well, I can't serve people when, I can, when I'm always talking down to them. I'm always talking down to them. Now, I might know more scriptures than you may know, but I know that you have the capacity to grow. And I can't, it's not the position of any leader within the training center, any leader within the church, that we should be putting people down. We should be building them up. Second area, how to recognize spiritual abuse is, it is often very controlling and manipulative. Often very controlling and manipulative. Tending to manage by mental influence, especially for one's own purpose. I'm trying to control your behavior instead of telling you what thus saith the Lord. I'm trying to control or manipulate you to give instead of letting you hear from the Spirit of God. It manifests in, I'll give you some favors, but it comes with something. It comes with a string attached to it. I guilt trip you. I gaslight you. I call you names. I smear. I have a smear campaign against you. I've seen pastors get into the pulpit and literally start belittling their people. And everybody knows who we're talking about. But they bring up their private issues in public instead of covering their sins and dealing with them in the back, in the closet, and not out before everybody. Why? Because they're providing an area of manipulation to smear them publicly. A devaluation. And a lot of times, another way that we'll see that where they're trying to control or they're trying to manipulate, and you can see this in their areas of leadership, is that when you bring up an issue that particularly they don't want to hear, they want to change the subject. Don't hear about that right now. Let's talk about this. Or they say, I don't want to hear about this. Let's talk about you and what you're doing. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 says, Don't be selfish out of the New Living Translation. Don't try to impress others. He says, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. 
Philippians chapter 2 tells us how God in Christ Jesus, how he came. He, Jesus had every right to come down and say, I am the son of God. I am all that. But no, he made himself Lord. In the kingdom of God, we see servanthood and we see humility are two traits that you must have in any area of leadership. Number three, how to recognize when spiritual abuse is taking place. Spiritual abuse takes place because it never allows genuine reflection or prayer. It never allows genuine reflection or prayer. John 14 and verse 26. John 14 verse 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and shall bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now notice he says Comforter. The word Comforter there comes from the word Paracletos, which means it means helper, it means standby, it means strengthener, it means counselor, it means advocate, it means intercessor, it means comforter. And then he says, he shall teach you all things, which means another characteristic of the Holy Spirit is that he is a teacher. And then he said, whatsoever things I have said unto you, he said, he'll bring it to your remembrance, which means the Holy Ghost is a reminder. All of these things are the traits of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things you don't see on the list is he's a forcer, he's a pusher, he's a kicker. <laughs> But when someone is moving into an area of spiritual abuse, they prey upon emotionalism, they prey upon your ignorance, and they seek to gain and never give. And so they, what they want to do is they want to force you not to pray because your praying is going to be a problem. <laughs> you say, well, well now I want you to do this and I need you to do this tomorrow. Well, can I pray about it, Pastor? No, you can't pray about it. I'm the man of God. Well, we're moving into areas of abuse. What you mean you ain't got time to pray? Spiritual abuse leads to deception and doctrinal error. Why? Because spiritual abuse fosters a dependency upon man for revelation, not God. It fosters a dependency on man for revelation and not God. The Bible says, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God dwells in you. So the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, when you come to church, should be a confirmation out of the pulpit and not a demand. It's something that I ain't never heard before. Why does he say that? Because John chapter 10 and verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Romans 8 verse 14 says, for as many are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So I can hear from God. It should be that when I go to church, there is a connectivity of God's voice at church. It shouldn't be that I, the only way I can hear from God is to hear from the preacher. And a lot of times what you'll see is that when that kind of abuse is in its proper seat, what they're doing is they're pulling a lot of Old Testament scriptures at a time when they could not hear from God themselves. In the New Testament, most of what we see is areas of confirmation because the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you. Fourth way of being able to determine whether or not you are seeing or experiencing spiritual abuse is spiritual abuse cultivates relationships through fear. Fear of God and fear of man. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, For God has not given you the spirit of fear but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Spiritual abuse, though, on the other hand, causes one to retreat from God. I'm telling you that you got to be afraid of God. You got to be afraid of me because I'm the man of God and you got to be afraid of God. When God says, I didn't give you the spirit of fear, it causes you to retreat from God because I'm afraid of God now. Spiritual abuse causes isolation from the saints. Isolation from the saints. I, no, no, no. You can't be around other Christians. And one of the things that gets strange to me, because I've been around for a little while, is when Christians start isolating themselves. And you can't even be around other folks that go to another church. They go up to this church. Now, if you know God like you say you know God, then we ain't going to really have a problem. My love for you will be exposed in every area of my life. When you start isolating folks, I, I remember a couple years ago, I went to a church. Because they, they, they came and I saw them and I saw uh, very high levels of, of the gifts of the Spirit at that time, at least what I thought. But I went to their church and, and I walked through the doors and all the lights were out. All I mean, we talking about pitch dark in the church. And all I heard was, 
I walked in, I said, what's going on here? <laughs> they were doing some strange stuff. And I, went, and I was like, wait, wait, wait. And I, and I came in, and it, and it was later, I think she said, just sit down. I sat down for a minute, I was like, I don't know about this here. I don't know what's going on. As I look back at it, when I started looking at the people that we used to go to that church, one of the things I began to see is that they had a very isolated ideology. Y'all got to come away from all the money. You only can hear from us because we are the only ones. Spiritual abuse often causes confusion, double-mindedness, or weariness. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. He's not a God of confusion. Spiritual abuse gives false comfort or comfort blessings and encouragement or encouragement to those God is not blessing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 22 says, Abstain from the very appearance, from the appearance of evil. And notice over in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 it says, But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to the weak. There are certain things that when you are in ministry, when you are in leadership, you can't do it not because you are bound, but because of the people that you minister to. You, need, you, you can't do that. There are certain things I can't do because I'm a pastor. Yes, you signed up for this when you said yes to God. You can't go down there because it's not just you down there. Now it's you, Jesus, the Lord, the gospel, everything is down there and it's making God look bad. Okay? You might say things in the back, in the corner, in the booth and everything, but you get up there and you make a little slide joke about PPP and trailer park and all this, you'll spend the next two months trying to repent publicly for what you said carnally. Y'all, you can't just say that because you are in spiritual leadership. Number five, spiritual abuse. Another way to look at it, it is always void or vacant of genuine love. It's always void. First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 2 out of the New International says, If I have the gift of prophecy... And I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains. So you bad, boy, you bad. Boy, you can do it. You can prophesy. You know all the mysteries. Man, you can just speak and stuff happens. But he says, but do not have love. He says, I am nothing. So it's possible. Yes, God can be using a gift. But they're moving to areas of abuse. God says that ministry gift, that leader is nothing. Because God does not look at love as a secondary. It is something that's vitally important. Spiritual abuse promotes worldliness and carnality. It promotes, watch this, worldly metrics over kingdom transformation. Spiritual abuse leads to or culminates in sexual immorality. Why? Why is that the case? First John tells us out of two, verse number 16, that there's only three things that are in the world. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and he says, I'm sorry, for all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So once you get power, once you get money, if you move into this area of pride, the next thing that will naturally happen is sexual immorality. Another area of abuse. That's the reason why you say, why does it seem like that this ministry gift, man, it seems like they had it all and they moved into extra areas of sexual perversion. It's because, yes, they had it all and they moved into pride. And next thing they know, they're using their position to start of being abusive to people. Once power is in place, pride is leading. Sexual immorality is the next natural step. Number six of how to recognize spiritual abuse. It always negates the sovereignty of God. Spiritual abuse always negates the sovereignty and the supremacy of God, particularly towards his people. Spiritual abuse exceeds and stretches the bounds of scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 2 says, Ye shall not add upon the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish it. He said, don't add to it, don't subtract from it. That ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I have 
commanded you. Proverbs 30 and verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. It is, he is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his word, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. You know, this is the reason why I spent so much time on last year talking about how when God speaks to us, he's the voice of truth, love, peace, faith, and life. Lord have mercy. <laughs> when God speaks to us, he's the voice of truth, love, peace, faith, and life. Because we need to be able to discern, no, that ain't God. That, that, is, that, ain't, that ain't God. Because it always falls in line with what God has already declared from his word. Matthew 18 and verse number 5. I knew that was going to start as soon as I got going here. It says, 5, it says, And everyone who, becomes, who welcomes a little child like this, or like a child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. Jesus is talking in terms of natural children that were coming to him in Matthew chapter 5, but I submit to you that this can be equated also to spiritual children. He says, welcome to me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall in their sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. God does take how you treat his people personally. Can't just go around doing anything you want to do and especially doing it in his name and think that God is not going to deal with you directly in abusing his people. That's the reason why even over in the Catholic church, there are a lot of issues that are going on. These priests been touching little boys and all these kind of things that there's judgment. And the Bible says that judgment begins first in the house of God. But I didn't want to just in there double let, let, let's look at this. First Timothy chapter 5. We want to end on the bad part. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 5. He says, let the elders that rule well, that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they that who labor in the word and doctrine. You know, for every bad pastor, I, I bet you there's at least 20 good ones. For everyone that you see across your TVs that are taking money from folks, there are another 30 or 100 of them that, have, that are giving their last dollars to make sure the lights stay on at the church. There are so many good ministry and good ministry gifts that don't get any of the credit, but the bad ones are always made movies of, they're criticized, and we all got to stay on the same team and say, okay, all right, let's fix what they messed up. Let's conclude here. Things I should know. Things I should know. Because I love to give you practical applications. Things I should know. Since we recognize now, when we're seeing spiritual abuse, what are the things I should know? Number one, people speaking, working, or representing God are not God. Let me say that again. Because you know, you think, you think this is simple, but, but, but sometimes people forget this. People speaking for, working for, or working with, or representing God are not God, even the ones you like. I am not God. Okay? That pastor that you like that comes on TV, on the internet, they are not God. Everybody got to be checked. Everybody. Everybody. With what the Bible says. I told you a couple of weeks, I guess a couple of months ago at this point, there was a notable minister, minister gift that said something, they put it on Instagram. And I was reading, I was like, that ain't what the Bible says. I said, I saw so many amens in the chat, all these kind of things. I was like, wait, wait, wait now. But the Bible says this, this, and this. And she said that. But they say that because of the facts. See, I knew here it is. <laughs> all of these things begin to happen because Again, you're putting stock in them and not the God they represent. It's about the God they represent. Number two, things I should know. Everyone has the capacity to be or to misrepresent God to you. Everyone has the capacity to misrepresent God to you. Everybody. Everyone. 
because no one is 100% right all the time. And this is the reason why, again, when you get into ministry or when you're in church leadership, yeah, you ought to have a level of humility. Go to, uh, what's the name for a sec? Thank you. That's all right. All right. Number three, developing your relationship with God. Things I should know, things I should know, things I should know and understand is that developing your relationship with God is your first objective in the church. It's your first objective. It's your first, dare I say, it is the Mary Martha concept. There was a lot of things that Martha was doing in Luke chapter 10, verse 42. Uh, we see that Martha was working in the kitchen. She was preparing things for the Lord. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, but the one thing is needful, he says to Mary, because he says to Martha, because Martha's like, Lord, why don't you get Mary up so she can come back here and help me? I'm out here doing all this work for you, Jesus. And Martha's down there just worshiping, sitting at your feet. Jesus says that Mary chose the more needful thing. The first reason why you come to church is for the development of your relationship with God. Your relationship empowers your work, not your work empowering your relationship. Let me say that again. Your relationship empowers your work. Not your work empowering your relationship because if you're working to be saved, then we need to have another conversation. If you're working for God's approval, then we need to have another conversation. God was clapping when you said yes. Yes to him. Yes to the assignment. God says, I'll go ahead and I'll start clapping them because you're going to take the journey of faith. Once again, it proceeds from relationship. Developing your relationship with God is your first and foremost objective when it comes to the church. Number four, if you have been the victim of the term that we hear a lot today is church hurt. Church hurt. Why does this happen? Because church is supposed to be a family. It's the, it gets close to your heart to know who you are. And so when things happen at church, it cuts you deep. The pastor abused you. Well, I was trusting them. The, 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 the teacher touched me back in the back so I was trusting them and they abused me and it's a deep hurt that sits and it can debilitate people for years if you've been the victim of church hurt allow God to show you who he is beyond what you experienced and it's going to take some time to allow God to show you who he is beyond what you experience. Somebody ripped you off at the church, took your money through a scandal or a swindle. It's going to take some time. But God, if you open yourself to him, will show you who he is beyond what that hurt you experienced. Number five, allow God to heal your heart. Well, I can't allow God to heal my heart if I close my heart to him. I got to know that everybody has the capacity to miss it. And once I understand that, when I come across somebody that has missed it, I got to understand that they are misrepresenting daddy. That's not who daddy is. So I allow God to heal my heart. I don't close myself off to God. Number six, watch this. In this fallen world, there will always be, always be, always be varying levels of maturity within the church. Always be varying levels of maturity. And just because somebody was mature at one point in their life doesn't mean they're still mature today either. Maybe they've fallen off. Maybe their prayer life has changed. Maybe they had an issue and they don't trust God in this area. There's always varying levels within the church. And notice this, number seven. <clears throat> allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to whom you should open yourself and to whom you should not. Because of these varying levels. The Holy Ghost will tell you, no, you don't, you don't need to tell them nothing. <laughs> tell them, hey, how you doing? Yeah, just pray for us then. You went up there and told folks at the church, hey, you know, I want y'all to pray for us concerning this particular issue. And then Sister, Sister Carno in the back comes up to you and say, well, tell me a little bit more what's going on. No, you don't tell her nothing more than what you said in the pulpit. You just keep it simple. You don't need, they don't need to know all that. They ain't praying no way. 
Allow the Holy Spirit to show you who to open up to and who not to open up to. Number eight, never override your peace. It is the external check of the Holy Spirit. So yeah, 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 you looked up there because eventually we're going to have other ministers here at this church. You walk up to them and say, I want them to pray for them. Let me, I want to have a counseling service on the inside of you. They say, you don't need to have no counseling service with him. Because the way he's hugging you is more carnal than it is spiritual. And the Holy Ghost has a way of saying, no, your peace is disturbed. You need to walk away. Okay? Or the way that one was looking at your kid. It, the Holy Ghost said on the inside of you, no, we need to fix that. Don't override the Holy Spirit's safeguard that he's put on the inside of us to protect his church. The Holy Spirit is the one that will allow for the protection of his people. But a lot of times people override what the Holy Spirit is saying because they look at the person and they say, but wait a minute, that's a person in authority. But the person that's in authority is always got to be in agreement with what the Holy Ghost is saying. Otherwise, we need to start checking and reviewing. <laughs> Why is it that I'm around pastor and my spirit is, is alarmed? Something, something wrong, something, something going on. I've known all kind of ministry gifts over the years and, and I walked around them from, from denomination to non-denomination and sometimes say, I don't override when the Holy Ghost says, no, 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 don't, don't, don't trust that one now. The Holy Ghost who on the inside of me said, no, that one right there, he has a competitive spirit. He's not interested in what you're doing to pray for, he's interested so he can compete with you. And so you can't open yourself up to that one. No, that one right there, he has a lust spirit. He hasn't learned how to control his flesh yet. And if you hang around that, birds of a feather flock together. So the Holy Spirit on this, I said, no, you, you don't need to open up yourself to that one. This one is a drinker. This one's a drunk. This You can't override what the Holy Ghost is saying. And if you do, that's how we get into areas of you being spiritually abused. All right, I know I've said a lot and I said it quickly. On this October, Clergy Appreciation Month, I wanna, I wanna say once again, there are a lot of great clergy. There's a lot of great spiritual leaders that we have within the church. And unfortunately, a lot of us have got to do extra duty for the ones that ain't. <laughs> extra duty for the ones that aren't any good. But thank God for the ones that are living right, doing right, praying right, and doing the assignment that God's placed on their life. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your safeguards. We thank you, Lord, that you love your people and that you give us the ability to discern that we don't just receive everything, but we receive what you've given us. Now, God, for those that are doing right, living right, Lord, we receive from them. We open our hearts to receive from ministry gifts that you've assigned in our life that the Holy Spirit is saying, yep, that's in the group. That's the one. That's where we're supposed to be. But we thank you, God, for the checks in our spirit, the protection that you've given us. That you said, you said, God, you wouldn't leave us as orphans, but that you've given us the ability to discern you. And so, Lord, we thank you, just thank you, God, for your divine protection. Lord, we thank you that even for messages and assignments like this where you give us the ability to enhance our discernment so that we are enhancing our protections. You are our God. You are our Lord. You are our great shepherd. And so, Lord, we'll submit where you tell us to go and we'll be in the place where you tell us to be. And we'll lift up the arms of those that you set us under, God. Pastors all over this city and all over this nation, God, that are struggling. God, I pray that you lift their arms even now in the name of Jesus. Those that are struggling, getting ready to fall. Holy Spirit, send somebody by there to encourage them, to bless them. Pastors all across these lands, God, that are wanting to give up, that are wanting to quit. God, I pray that you would encourage them in the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your church shall prevail and the gates of hell shall not prevail against your church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord.
Well, I pray you receive something out of this morning's message. Um, spiritual abuse, unfortunately, is something that's taking place a lot in the body of Christ. But it's nothing new because, you know, the devil has no new tricks. But it, it seems to be more brought to attention in because we got cameras, we got social media, and all kind of things to highlight a lot of different things. And, um, and so we need to be cautious in regards to that. The best safeguard that you can have in regards to your walk with God is to know him more. To know him more means also to know more of his words so that you are not open to areas of deception. We're getting ready to take communion right now. And I was praying that the Lord said, put this at the bottom or put this at the, uh, on the other side of the message because communion reminds us of who we are in Christ and what he did for us. Communion is what allows us to, to remember, yeah, 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 properly discern the body of Christ. Communion is where we, we remember that we are covered by the blood, that the Holy Spirit does, in fact, live on the inside of us. So let's take those elements of communion now, amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. The scripture says, For I received of the Lord that also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had taken, when he had given things, I'm sorry, he broke it and said, this, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this, he says, notice, in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us do the same. Thank you, Lord, that you were broken, that we might be made whole. He goes on in the scripture says, after the same manner, he also took the cup and when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This ye do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Well, what does he mean? In remembrance of the fact that we have been justified by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, we've been forgiven. By the blood of Jesus, we've been spared from the wrath of God. By the blood of Jesus, we are spiritually healed. By the blood of Jesus, we are spiritually been made alive. He says, do this in remembrance of my blood covenant, what it purchased for you. Let's do that now. Amen. Well, it's giving time. Praise the Lord. The scripture says out of the Amplified Version of the Bible in Proverbs chapter number 11, verse 25. The scripture says, a generous man is a source of blessings and shall be prosperous and enriched. And he who waters will himself be watered, reaping the generosity he has sowed. He says, a generous man is going to be the source of blessings. But he's also going to be enriched. The generous man, the generous woman, he says, who waters, he says, himself will also be watered. Why? Because there is a law of reciprocity. Old folks used to say like this, you can't be God's given no matter how hard you try. Three ways that you can sow into the training center. One way is by live and in the house. Second way is by our online giving at www.thetrainingcenter-church.org. 
Another way is by way of our cash app, 1TTC, dollar sign, I'm sorry, 1TTC. And last but definitely not least is by way of our P.O. Box, which is the Training Center P.O. Box, 2358 Gastonia, North Carolina, 28053. All will be received by this house. Because of the giving of God's people, we have been able to indeed pay our lease, and we continue to do so. Because of the giving of God's people, we were able to keep the lights on. I saw the internet bill come out. <laughs> uh, we were able to take care of our storage and do all of the other things that we need to do. And also give the message indeed to the world. Because streaming is not nearly as free as people think that it is. <laughs> not to do it on a level that I believe God has called us to be able to do it. So because of God's faithful people we are able to continue to do so. And we declare that all bills and budgets are met over and above the needs of this ministry in the name of Jesus. One of the things I was seeing and I was looking at, um, um, <laughs> I heard a minister say one time, you know, he was there were believing God, particularly for an area financially. And I'm like, Lord, what's taking so long? And one of the things that God ministered to that minister at the time was it takes a long time sometimes because, you know, money doesn't just drop out the sky. It doesn't grow on a tree. It comes to the hands of people. And so God's got to use willing people to give to his assignments. And sometimes it takes a little long for them to hear God and do what God's told them to do. And so therefore you have to wait. So when you believe in God for money, well, money comes through the hands of somebody. And so that's why sometimes we wait and it takes a little longer because, you know, God's got to have a willing person that will do what he told them to do. So we thank God for those that, of course, that are sowing and have sown online. We, are, uh, we sow online to keep the account and keep a record of it as well. Until, amen, our ministry of health person gets in place. We are believing God for that ministry of health person to keep our accounting in our books. We are believing God for the Ministry of Health person to keep the, the work on the sound department. We're believing God for additional folks in the Ministry of Health to help in regards to our media department, our music department. I'm saying all this on purpose for how we started this service. There are people that are assigned to this ministry and we just, we, we keeping the lights on because we're waiting on you to get here in Jesus' name. Get here in Jesus' name and do what God's assigned you to do. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we give you glory, Lord, that we are tithers and we are givers, God. And Lord, because we are obedient to your voice, Lord, we thank you that the windows of heaven are opened up over our life, that you'll pour us out blessing in which there's not room enough to receive. We thank you, Lord, that according to the word that you are rebuking the devourer for our sake. We are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. We thank you, Lord, because we're cheerful, prompt to do it, givers. You'll be able to make all grace abound towards us so that we walk in abundance, God. And so, Lord, I declare over every seed sown into this ministry that you would indeed, that the blessing of God, the favor of God will rest on their lives. Open doors that no man can open. Let them walk in abundance because of their obedience to your voice. And we thank you, Lord, that indeed, that all the needs are met over and above the needs of this ministry. We thank you, Lord, that all of our needs are met over the needs and uh, over the needs of, that we have in our individual households because we are cheerful, prompt to do it, givers. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
With that being said, um, the bin is in the back. If you would please bring your donations and just drop them in. We'll sort them and get them ready for the event. We're going to be bringing them every Sunday, every Thursday when we have Bible study. Just bring something with you and drop it in the bin. All things school supplies, all things that replenish um, the student's life um, for their educational advancement. Amen? Amen. Um, again, this is Clergy Appreciation Month. We'll be honoring our Pastor Anthony on next Sunday. Amen? Amen. Bless you. Thank God for your heaven smile upon you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, may you have a wonderful week this week. May the Spirit of God lead you and guide you to the degree of your yieldedness to Him. May the Spirit of God open up doors for you. May the favor of God rest on your lives. In Jesus' name, you may be dismissed.